0: Welcome to episode 12 of Word Wednesday, uh, which I am recording on November 30th, 2021, and it comes out on December 15th, 2021. I think I was hoping to read something Christmassy uh, because, like, you know, it's Christmas, Um, but I haven't found anything to read. So I am anything Christmassy to read. So I'm going to read to you from, and I'm really excited about this, Glenn Grant's Obake Files. If you lived in Hawaii or grew up in Hawaii and were around in the 90s, you will probably be familiar with Glenn Grant's uh, work as he was really popular then. He did the chicken skin, uh, like ghost tour thing on Oahu, and he had many, many books, uh, some of them entitled Chicken Skin, and then some of them entitled Obake Files. But he was, like, known, I guess, as the ghost guy back then. Um, and I've been doing research for another project that I'm not going to say what it is, but it may or may not be out already. If it is, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I came across this book. Uh, and it has some cool stories in it. So it's a book of stories he collected from people in Hawaii about their own ghostly encounters. Uh, if you don't know what an Anobake is, the most simplistic way I can explain it to you is that it's a um, Japanese word for ghost, or in one of his books, Glenn Grant describes it as weird things. If the other project I'm working on is out, I will put a little recording to let you know in the beginning of this episode so you can go listen to it and hear more about Obakes and blah, 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 blah. So this, I'm going to read three... Personal encounters from people in Hawaii, and the people who did not want to have their names associated with the stories, because I guess some people receive ridicule for these things, which I totally get, uh, have decided to remain anonymous if the person wanted their name published. Uh, With their story, Glenn Grant would put it in the story. So if the person whose story it is, if their name is in the little uh, story, I'll read it. But if it's not, it's just anonymous. Okay, so first story is by... Sorry, let me backtrack there. Um, The first story is from the chapter called The Supernatural of Hawaii. And this is from Glenn Grant's Obake Files. Uh, This is called The Cursed Stone... Lana'i 1960 Private Collection Helen Fujiye, Lana'i City. There was a family of two girls and three boys who went picnicking at the beach on the Ke- Keomoku side of Lana'i. That day they brought home an interestingly shaped stone which they used as a doorstop for the front door. Every morning, One of the boys kicked the rock to open the door and kicked it in place so the door would not slam back with the winds. Every evening, another boy kicked it to close the door. Kicking the rock soon became the habit of everyone in the family. The women picked it up by hand to sweep the floor or to keep the door open whenever they were home. As the boys were growing up one by one, they began to suffer from broken toe bones, ankle bones, shin bones, knee bones, thigh bones, hip bones, and finally the backbone in accident after accident. The family was so plagued with broken bones that the mother went to see her Catholic priest who couldn't explain why the bones of the men folk were broken so often. The girls who had Japanese friends went to see the Odaisan, a Shingon mission healer or exorcist. However, he also couldn't tell them why or what to do about their brother's broken bones. Finally, they were told by their neighbors to ask a Hawaiian kahuna. They went to see Reverend Kaupuiki who advised them that it was a cursed stone that they kicked around. Therefore, the kickers all got punished by the spirit that followed them home. They were told to take the stone back where they found it. This they did, and then there were no more broken bones in that family. So that's the end of the first story. Um, I'm going to read another one. This one is called... uh, This one is also from the Supernatural of Hawaii chapter and this one is called The Green Lady of Wahiawa Revisited. Written sources, The Green Lady, HSB. In Obake, Ghost Stories in Hawaii, I briefly introduced The Green Lady of Wahiawa, a horror story with no conclusion. The Green Lady was first reported in Wahiawa in 1957 when at least a half-dozen children of the Wahiawa Elementary School saw the beast. They described it as having seaweed hair, duck feet, scaly skin, and claw-like hands. The police investigated these reports after rumors got out of hand by children suffering from what was called mass hysteria at the school. According to the principal, Mrs. Violet Matsuoka, the strange creature, was supposed to have been seen on several occasions in the Wahiawa Gulch behind the school gymnasium, between California and Glen Avenues. Police officer Philo Owen questioned six students who said they had seen the green lady and all agreed that she had seaweed hair, duck feet, scaly skin, and claw-like hands. One of the youngsters even elaborated that the creature had no nose and one ear. One of the older students had also seen the green lady, but firmly insisted that she looked like someone dressed in a green costume and wearing a Halloween mask. A search party organized by the Wahiawa Chamber of Commerce combed the gulch but could not find anything remotely resembling the thing described by the students. Officer Owens said he felt the whole incident was begun by a vivid imagination with subsequent elaboration by young and impressionistic minds. The description given by the students fits perfectly. However, the tale of Kappa, a strange creature found in Japan and popularized in the national folklore, This little being, with the power to appear as a child, has duck feet, claw hands, stringy hair that looks like long seaweed, and green skin. As close a description as can be to the Wahiawa Green Lady. In legend, the kappa is famous for drowning children and women in ponds and then eating their disemboweled intestines. A very cute fellow is the kappa. After the first publica- publication of that article, several updated sightings of the kapa came to my attention from other sources. Kupuna, or elders in Wailua, said that as children, they were told by their Hawaiian parents never to swim in Anahulu Pond, that a, green, f- that a funny green-skinned creature with duck feet and claw hands would attack and kill them. The same stories were collected among residents in the Luna Lilo home in Kai. As one Hawaiian woman informed me, the little creature was said to drown children in the ponds near the pig farms in the back of the valley. The kapa had become the Hawaiian boogeyman to warn children away from dangerous ponds. Although these accounts are only a scant few sightings of kapa outside of Wahiawa, I have been told that the gulch behind the elementary school still has a reputation for sightings of the green lady. Some have seen the lights in the elementary school mysteriously going off and on in the middle of the night. The green lady, these diehards insist, must still haunt Wahiwa. And that is the end of the second tale uh, from Obake Files by Glenn Grant. The last and final tale I will be reading from Glenn Grant's Obake Files is called Pohaku Loa of Punahou. Written source, Green and Pukui, Legend of Cavello. Pohaku Loa is a tall sacred rock, nearly five feet tall, that stands at the corner of Punahou and Wilder Avenues. Placed in this location over 150 years ago at the time of the founding of Punahou School and now carrying a plaque with the name of this private educational institution, the rock sits like a sentinel to the entranceway of Manoa Valley. While some believe the actual historic Pohakuloa Stone may have been placed inside the stone wall of Punahou, Some researchers, such as June Gutmanis, in her important collection of stories about Pohaku, suggest that this taller stone is indeed the sacred stone of history. If so, then this is the prominent rock which exhibited marvelous supernatural powers in the last century when the first attempts were made to move it to its current location. According to To one version of the rock's history, when Punahou lands were first given to Protestant missionaries for the purposes of a school, a stone large enough to serve as a boundary mark was sought. On the northeastern slope of so-called Rock Hill, behind the campus, a suitable stone was found nine feet in length and standing seven feet above ground and two feet below an overseer and his men were sent to move it to the proper area. The first day, the men vigorously dug around the rock, expecting to dislodge it the following day. However, overnight, Pohakuloa seemed to have worked its way back into the earth, planting itself more firmly into place. The next morning, the workmen were amazed to see that all that work the day before had been in vain. After discussing the miracle they became concerned that a kupua or a demigod may live in the stone a kahuna was consulted who advised them who advised them that this is not a stone it is a man he is not to be forced but coax him and he will go at the direction of the priest a feast was prepared consisting of black pig black ava green coconut, black fowl, red fish, and pink poi. Everyone was invited to the feast. When the feast was completed, the workmen began to dig up the stone which was soon out of the earth. Who shall lift it up and set it in place? It was then asked. Pocky, a very large and powerful chief, then took hold of the stone and lifted it upright. Then, to the amazement... Of all the witnesses, the rock began to move itself to the place where it now stands, as men on either side supported it from tipping over. Some years later, Pohakuloa was broken into two pieces. A kupuna in the early 20th century informed researchers that she believed the other piece of the stone was taken to the Kapiolani Maternity Home and located on Baratania Street. When the maternity home was reestablished on Punahou Street. The site and the stone became the property of the Japanese consulate for a few years. When the consulate left Beretania Street, the second piece of Pohakuloa was missing. What remains of this powerful sacred stone is the sentinel at the front gate of the Punahou campus, a haunting reminder of the supernatural power of rocks. End story. right i hope you enjoyed those three tales from glenn grant's obake files uh at the end of december i will be posting in my patreon talking about why i chose to read from that book uh thank you for joining me and happy holidays